Would you put your hands together for missionary and for a speaker that goes across the nation and around the world for One Child Matters, Mission of Mercy Ministry, for the glory of God, straight from Louisiana, Gary Sapp. Would you give him a real good hand this morning? Praise the Lord. Good morning. I live in West Monroe, Louisiana. I travel out of there every week, 48 weeks a year, and travel all over this nation. Lee, what town are you from? In Louisiana. Okay. Well, I have a daughter in Shreveport. And, of course, we live in West Monroe. My other daughter lives there. And I have uh, four wonderful grandkids. How many of y'all have grandkids? Don't you wish God had let you have them first? Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, I could, have done, I could have done away with the girls and just had the grandbabies. But uh, I live in West Monroe, home of the famous Duck Dynasty boys. And... Uh, People ask me all the time, do you know them? Yeah, I knew them before they were popular. They're awesome, good friends of mine. But uh, so I, I had uh, crawfish Friday, and I sucked the heads and uh, all the good stuff. Run my finger up in there and pull all that fat out, you know, just wonderful. You probably won't do that because you're a northern Louisiana boy. But you see, I lived in New Orleans for three years, and they taught me how to eat them down crawfish. Them that good stuff, man. I'm telling you, them good things. They may come out of that dirty water, but they are some good. Amen? Amen. Good to meet you. Is your wife from Louisiana? Where's she from? Oh, is she? Okay. All right. Have you been back to Louisiana with her? Uh, Y'all don't mind if we visit, do you? No. Uh, well, she, you need to take her down there, and, uh, and you just give me a call in West Monroe, and then I'll, te I'll treat her to some good Cajun food. I will cook it myself, because I am to cook at my house. My wife quit cooking August 13th, 1997, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm, I'm telling you, it's God's truth. I'll never forget it. My oldest went off, my youngest went off to college, and she said, the cooking's over. I suggest if you, want to learn, if you don't want to eat out all the time, you learn to cook. So I started calling my mother, Mama, how do you make this? And how do you make that? And all this good stuff. And thank God for emails. You know, she'd send them to me on my phone, and I'd go in the kitchen, and I'd make it. And my wife said, where'd you learn this? Don't worry about it. I'm the cook. <laughs> She said, tastes like your mama. I said, uh-huh. I said, you, you thought you had me in a bind, didn't you? <laughs> but mama come to the rescue. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what I do. I travel. And, uh, but now, see, I live in North Louisiana. But the funny part about it, I was born and raised in South Georgia. My wife says, nobody in North Louisiana talks like I do. And, uh, but I was raised in South Georgia, but now if you get down below New Orleans, you get down where the Boudreaux and the Thibodeaux live, down in South Louisiana. And them people down there, they don't know how to talk sometimes. They don't even know how to speak English. But that's the way they talk. And uh, 
So down there is Boudreaux's and Thibodeau's and Fontenot's. That's the three famous names in South Louisiana. And, and it's funny because you Boudreaux's, you ask them, you Ken? No, we know Ken. Well, you got a last name Boudreaux, but we know Ken. It's like Smith and Jones, you know, they're all over the place. But anyway, down South Louisiana, all the jokes are told about Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Well, I'll just tell you a quick little story about Boudreaux and Thibodeau. One day, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they were looking at the Sears catalog. And Boudreaux said to his friend Thibodeau, Shy, look at these girls. Said, Man, aren't they pretty? Said, Man, yeah, they're pretty. Let's order us one. <laughs> and so Boudreaux said, Now you order you one first and say, You like it, I'll give me one. So about four, three, or two weeks go by, and old Boudreaux see his friend Thibodeau coming down the street. And he said, Hey, Shy, Thibodeau, Shy, come, come, saw, come, saw. He said, mine, he said, I want to know, did you ever get that girl from Sears? No, mine, but she'd be here any day. He said, now, how you know that? He said, her clothes came yesterday. <laughs> I mean, no doubt she'll be here, her clothes came. Let me tell you real quickly about a book that I have. I don't even know if there's any of them left uh, from this first two services, but this is called The Audacity of Prayer. This book is phenomenal, just a phenomenal book. It's true stories of medically documented miracles of people that had miracles. My wife's healing miracle is in this book. The entire story is in there, plus about uh, 12 to 15 other stories uh, that we know people, that they're all documented. And uh, my wife was healed of colon cancer in 1995. Uh, that was 18 years ago. She's been cancer-free. They gave her four months to live. They told her four months. You, you'll die in four months. Well, God had a different plan and a different situation. And here's how it happened. When all that happened, God led me to Philippians chapter four. And he said to me in Philippians chapter four, he said, go in there. And where Paul says to the people in Philippi, he says, I'm happy that you have given me all this stuff. I'm happy you have blessed me. I'm happy you have fed me. I'm happy you've taken care of me. But then he makes this statement. He says, but I'm not so happy, but I'm not as happy about this as I am what's added to your account. See, every one of us have an account in heaven. Everybody has one. And it's according to you what you put in there. And then God puts stuff in there as well. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's healing in your account. Go get it. I put healing in her account and in your account. Go get it. And I stood on that. And God healed her. They cut out 36 inches of her colon. They were fixing to add a colostomy and an ileostomy bag to her for the rest of her life. The doctor was spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, said, do not do this. If you do it, she's going to be hindered, and I have too much work for her to do for me, and I don't want her to be hindered, so do not do this. Take the three feet that's left, stretch it, clamp it, sew it up, it'll work. Well, medically, that don't happen. I know. I have a daughter that's a surgical nurse. It don't happen. So here's what happened. He did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. That was Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening late. Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, her plumbing worked and it's worked every day since. And as Paul Harvey would say, if he was still alive here today, page 2. 
and now for the rest of the story. One year later, we go in for a colonoscopy. The doctor comes out, same doctor. He said, I got good news, great news. Great news is there's no polyps, there's no cancer, there's nothing. He said, the greater news is that the 36 inches I cut out is back in her body. I said, how do you know that? He said, because when I was doing her colonoscopy, the nurse said to me, Dr. Dave, I thought you took out three feet of this woman's colon. He said, I did. She said, you just used the entire six-foot scope on her. Most people have six feet of colon in their body. God put three feet back in her body. We have the pictures of it, and you can't tell where the new and the old was. And I just think God gave her a whole brand new colon. Now, I have some people... Some people doubt that. They'll say, I don't believe that. I had a man in Thibodeau come up to me. He said, I do not believe that. I said, I don't give a rip where you believe it or not. My wife said that was kind of harsh, so now I just tell everybody, I don't give a holy rip where you believe it or not. So, you know, I can make it less harsh. But the whole thing about it is God put it back in there. MD Anderson Hospital has verified and medically put in her chart. It's medically said by MD Anderson Hospital, this woman had a creative miracle of God. You can't explain it any other way. So that story's in the book. They'll be out there on the table. They're $15. If you want one, you can get one. I don't know how many of them's left. I only brought 12 with me. So I want to share the word of God with you today. In the earlier service this morning, I shared a different sermon than I shared in the one that I just spoke at a while ago over in the cafe. Is that where I was? Okay. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know where I was. I just, I just follow whoever tells me to follow. It's kind of like my wife, you know, just follow me, buddy, you know. And uh, people think I'm henpecked. I am. It's okay to be henpecked. Men, it's okay. Because I love the hen doing the pecking. So it's okay. It's not a problem at all. I want to share with you from the book of Genesis, chapter 37 through chapter 42. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapters to you. You're big people. You're very wise. And to conserve time, I'm going to relate it to you today. I shared it with this group over here. A guy asked me one time, he said, do you preach your sermons more than one time? I said, well, yeah. He said, I don't. He said, in all of my ministry, shaking his head, I've never preached my sermons more than one time. And I thought, you poor soul, they weren't good enough to preach twice. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I thought it. <laughs> Mine don't get good till I hit them about five times. How many times have you sung Amazing Grace and every time it's good? Hello. So I've already preached this message one time today, and I'm going to preach it again. And I preached it a month ago at another church. Last week I preached something different. But the Lord instructed me through the Holy Spirit to share this with you today. So undoubtedly somebody needs it. Maybe a lot of somebodies. I enjoy it because I, I need it every time I hear it. In Genesis chapter 37, there's a story starts there about a man named Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, was his favorite, he was the favorite son of his daddy Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel later. 
Because he was the favorite son, his daddy showed him favor over his other brothers who were his half-brothers because Joseph was born in his father's old age. And the Bible even says that his daddy made him a coat of many colors or a robe or embroidered jacket or whatever it was. I don't know, but that's what the Bible calls it. And his brothers hated him even more. The Bible says they were jealous because of his dreams that he was having and he was telling them his dreams and they hated him for the dreams that he was telling them and they hated him because he was being favored over them. If you have more than one child and you show favor to one more than the other, believe me, they will take notice. Amen? I have two daughters. We never showed more favor to one than we did the other. I have four grandkids. Never show favor to one more than we do the other. Because they will take notice. But Joseph was being shown favor and his brothers were jealous and mad. And one day his dad said to him, Joseph, I want you to go out and check on your brothers. They're out tending the flock. So he goes out to find them and he finds them. And when he finds them, they see him coming from a distance and they plotted to kill him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of this guy. He's trouble. He's nothing but a problem to us, so let's just kill him. And Reuben, one of the brothers, said, no, 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 no. Let's do not kill him. If we kill him, his blood's on our hands and murder is with us every day of our life. Let's don't do that. Let's just throw him in this pit right here. In those days, they dug big holes in the ground. They called them citrons. They were to capture rainwater. They used that rainwater for either crops or their personal use or for animals, whatever. But this citron was dry. There had been no rain. They said, let's just take his coat, throw him in this pit, let him die in the pit. But we'll take this coat. We'll kill a goat. We'll smear blood all over this coat. We'll take the coat back to our father. We'll give it to our father. And he will assume that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Isn't that amazing? I call that lying and never opening your mouth. Because they knew the truth. But yet they took this coat back to their father, handed him the coat, never said a word, and let him assume a wild animal had killed Joseph. And the Bible says that he mourned many days over the death of his son who was not even dead. See, they just lied and never even opened their mouth. When you and I know the truth, and we have an opportunity to tell the truth, and we don't tell the truth, we let people assume something, we're wrong. Isn't that good? So here's what happened. Then one of the brothers, as they got ready to leave to take this coat back to the father, they looked and they saw a band of Ishmaelites coming. The Ishmaelites were headed to Egypt. They were the traders of the day, and they would buy and sell stuff, even people. And one of them, doesn't say which one, says, hey, let's, whoa, 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 let's don't let him die in this pit. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and make a profit off of him and split the money. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites, and they took him off to Egypt, and the brothers took the coat to the father. 
After they got to Egypt, they sold him again to a man named Potiphar, who was King Pharaoh's right-hand guy. And King Pharaoh leaned on Potiphar everything, but the Bible says that Potiphar had so much money and so much stuff, he didn't even know what he had. I don't have that problem, do you? I pretty much know what I got. And so Potiphar put him in charge of everything, but the reason he did is because the Bible says he saw the hand of God and the favor of God on his life. Favor is mentioned in the Bible 70 times. Favor. There's not a person in here today that don't like favor. We all like favor. I like it when it comes time for a raise. From One Child Matters, who I work for, we feed, clothe, educate, and medically take care of 40,000 kids every day in 16 countries of the world through a thing called child sponsorship. But I won't favor if they're going to give me a raise, which they haven't in five years. So, but when they do, I won't favor. So here's the thing. You won't favor when it comes time for a raise on your job. You won't favor from the boss man. You won't favor from your kids when it comes time for Christmas. I used to read that scripture in the Bible when I was younger. It's more blessed to give than receive. And I thought, that ain't a good scripture. <laughs> but I found out after I started giving, it is a great scripture. It is more blessed to give than receive. Amen? So Joseph is sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar sees the favor of God on Joseph's life and puts him in charge of everything that he owns. One day Potiphar went off on a journey, had to go on a business trip, and Potiphar's wife, I call her the old witch, she seduced Joseph three times, tried to get him to go to bed with her. And he said no, all three times. But on the third time, he left his coat in her room. She jerked it off of him as he was running out the door. And she called all the servants in and, and, and they seen it and she said, look, I have his coat. He tried to rape me. And they believed her, of course. Well, then Potiphar comes home and she tells him and he believes her. And so Potiphar takes him and throws him in jail where the king, Pharaoh, threw all of the people that wronged him. But the Bible says, that the jailer, the warden of the prison, saw the favor of God on Joseph's life and put him in charge of the entire prison. I love that. And get this now. This is what amazes me right here. In that prison was the baker and the cupbearer of the king who had wronged the king. Now, I don't know what they did. The baker's job, of course, was to bake. Now, I don't know if they told him to make coconut and he made lemon. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if the bread didn't rise like it was supposed to. It don't say. The cupbearer, now you do not want his job and you will not make application for his job. His job was to taste of everything that was going to the king, drink our food, so if there was poison in it, he would die and not the king. I don't care what that job pays. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. And so they were in there, and one night, those two guys had a dream that was so disturbing, they couldn't understand it, 
And so the jailer says to them, Joseph can interpret dreams. So the baker tells him his dream, and the baker, uh, he gets through, and Joseph says, the interpretation of your dream is, in three days, you're going to die. Well, I doubt he wanted to hear that. <laughs> then the cupbearer, he shares his dream, and Joseph said, in three days, you are going to be restored back to your old job. And exactly how Joseph said it is what happened. Three days the baker died, three days the cupbearer was restored back to his old job. But as the cupbearer left the prison, Joseph said to him, when you get into the presence of King Pharaoh, please tell him I'm down here. I did nothing to be here. And ask him to come and remove me from this prison. And the cupbearer said, since you have interpreted my dream, I will do exactly as you asked. Well, he didn't, he lied. Two whole years go by. Joseph has to stay in that prison two more years, even though he was in charge, until one day King Pharaoh has a dream. So disturbing that all the soothsayers came in, everybody came in, nobody could interpret the dream, and the old cupbearer wanting to make some brownie points with the king says, oh king, there's one down in the prison by the name of Joseph. He can interpret dreams. And so they called for Joseph, and Joseph came, the Bible says, and interpreted the dream of King Pharaoh. So much that King Pharaoh put him in charge of the entire kingdom of Egypt. Joseph went from his father's house to the pit. From the pit to Pharaoh's house. From Pharaoh's house to the jail. And from the jail, he wound up ruling the entire kingdom of Egypt in a dream he had saw earlier. God had showed him that was going to happen. Let me tell you something this morning. Just because we go through things we don't understand and problems happen in our life and situations come against us, it does not mean that the favor of God has not left you. Favor of God is there. God's favor has always been there. It's there now or you wouldn't be sitting here today. It's the favor of God. So I love the favor of God. So I'm riding in my car one day and I said, Lord, I want more favor. I want more favor. And I'm praying out loud. Now I don't know how you pray, but I pray just like I'm talking to you. I used to pray. God sat up here. I got a little problem. That's how I pray to God. Some people don't pray that way. I think they go, Oh, great thee up there. This is the humblest of your humble down here. You know, some people think they thee and thou God that makes them holy and righteous and let me tell you something. God knows you better than you know you. Won't you just talk to him like he's your best friend? Because he is. Yes. Yes. So I do. I said, God, I want more favor. God said, okay. Give more. I said, give more. Lord, do you know how much we're giving? Like I got to remind God of what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't think God's got a problem remembering. But I did it anyway. I said, God, do you know what I'm giving? Now I'm telling you this, and don't you get all thinking I'm trying to be high and mighty. I'm not, because it, you know, in some people's cases, it's not a lot because people give more than I do. But last year, according to my CPA, D and I gave 38% of what we made back to God. We gave 10% tithe. That's all you give. I'm gonna enlighten you. 
Anything you give above 10% is your offering. That counts as offering. Your tithe is 10% of your income. And I tell everybody it's the gross. Now I know all of you tithe and I'm preaching to the choir. Well, just listen up, choir. But when I read a stat a few weeks ago that only 23% of the people that attend church on any Sunday morning in any, de any denominational church, only 23% of the people tithe, I got a little disturbed. It, I don't know why it is when you start talking about money, people just get, they just tighten up. It's like you getting in their potato patch. Don't be digging up my potatoes, leave them alone. Now that's a southern thing. So, so then I give 38%. We got a goal of giving 50% of what we made back to God. That's what our goal is. I said, Lord, I want more favor. God said, give more. It's not just your money, Gary. You need to give more of your time and more of your ability. I want you to think about something with me. When God said that to me, I thought, Lord, I'm traveling. I'm doing all this stuff. God said, no, more of your personal time to me. Where you just talk to me. You just spend time with me. You need to give more of your time. You need to give more of your ability to things you know you can do that you're not doing. See, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. And don't get mad. Please, Pastor, don't get mad. I just believe that churches should never have to pay to get the grass cut. I don't think they should have to pay to get the church vacuumed and clean. I think if we should give our time to the Lord, we could do it. Hello. I said we could do it. Thursday, my wife was at our church where we attend, and we're only there about three Sundays a year. She's down there helping clean up. Help clean up. Clean it. I go down. I do stuff at the church. I just believe that's just for me. If that doesn't, I mean, you said, you said I liked you up to then, brother. You, you, were, you, were, you were doing all right, but now you're meddling. I just think that's the way it could be. I, I went to one church to preach, and the pastor told me. I didn't preach this sermon. I didn't even make that statement. But after over lunch, he said, did you know we don't pay to have nothing done? Everything here is volunteered. The grass cut, the church clean, everything's volunteered. And he said, we save this much money every year. We figured we would have to pay. And he said, we give that to missions. I said, whoa, you're one in a million. I said, you're one in a million. I think I'm pretty close. I'll get off of that so y'all can feel better. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I just want more favor. Give more of your time. Give more of your ability. And give more of your money. So I said, God, why did you choose to run the kingdom on money? If you don't help me, I can't help people. Tell me why. And this is what God said to me. Money is the hardest thing for my people to let go of for kingdom business. And you know what? It is. You just think about it. It is. God said when people want things, including you, you save up for it, you go get it, you make notes on it, nothing wrong with that. But he said don't give more to something else that you're not giving to the kingdom. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. 
First of all, I'm not against animals. And I'm not against pets. Don't go out of here. And, and if y'all filming this, give it to Petco or whoever that, pe Peter, Potter, Pepper, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> whatever name that organization is. I have no idea what the hell that organization is. Last year, they put a statement out. Is it PETA? P-E-T-A? I don't know. PETA? Uh, PETA, okay. Like PETA bread. Yeah, I got it now. All right, last year, they put a statement out that people in America spent $54.8 billion on pets. I ain't got a problem with that. Except I got a sister-in-law. It takes poo-poo, foo-foo, whatever that dog's name is. <laughs> Every week to the groom. Every week. And she gets, and since she goes every week, she gets it done for $35. You know, wash it and flip up its little hair, paint its little toenails, you know, put a little ribbon in its hair that the dog can't stand because every time you see the dog, it's trying to shake that ribbon out of her hair. You probably never let me come back. But anyway, so I figured, okay, 35 times four is 140. Isn't that right? So here's what I said to her. So I don't have a problem with you doing that. But do you give God an extra $140 a month? Yep. <laughs> Smile from this end to there. Do you give God an extra $140 a month? No. I said, well, then you're giving your dog more than you're giving God. That's right. That's right. Now, you, I, know, I know what you're thinking. You're going, you, boy, you hard. No. No, I'm just telling you what this book says. Right. See, here's the deal. Don't get mad at me because I get blessed. You know who gets mad at me because I get blessed? Christians. I've had people come up to me, Pastor Phil, and they go, I just can't believe you and your wife make what y'all give what y'all give. I just can't believe that. And I said, well, why don't you check your giving record, Bubba, against mine? <laughs> See, here's the, I'm going to what's your name, sweetie? Elaine, can I use you for a moment? Thank you. I was going to use you anyway. It didn't matter. So. <laughs> anyway, see, here's the way it works. If you give God $100, and that's all you can do, above your tithe, and I could do $1,000, you are going to get just as much blessed off of that 100 as I am off of that 1000 because that's all you can do, and then that's all I can do. You follow me? That's why the Bible says the little widow that gave all she had, she did more than anybody because she gave everything she had. See, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. Does that make sense? It's equal sacrifice. See, it's not me trying to give what Sam gives or Bob or whoever. It's me doing what I know I can do and not holding back from the Word of God what God wants me to do. He wants me to give. And when I give, He's going to show me more favor. Favor will increase when you give more. It's God's plan. It's the way it works. Sorry to tell you. 
It's the way it is. And again, I made a perfect statement. It ain't, it ain't you could say, well, Brother Gary gave a thousand. Lord, I only gave a hundred. God knows that's all you can do. So he's going to bless you the same amount. He's going to bless me because he don't love me more than he loves you. See, that's the way it works. I said, okay, God. So we started giving more. My wife and I started praying. We started giving more. Favor started increasing. Increasing. I walk in a jewelry store. Buddy of mine. He grew up in my youth camps. I was the state youth director of Louisiana for 22 years. Most of those kids now are married and got kids of their own. But I, that's, that's what it is. I walked in Paul's store. He said, he's always called me pastor. I don't know why. Because I've never been his pastor. But he's always called me pastor. Shreveport, Louisiana. Walked in his, in his store. Bailey Jewelers. Walked in his, in his store. He said, Pastor, you don't have a wedding band. And I didn't. I didn't have a wedding band. He said, where's your wedding band? I said, it got stolen. It was on a mission trip and it got stolen. And he said, well, you need a wedding band. He walked over to the deal, to the juror thing, pulled out this ring, put it on my finger. And wasn't it amazing that it fit? He didn't even have to size it. See, God ain't going to give you something that don't work. Hello? Hold that, brother. Just put, put, put your little hand out. Heavy. 56 grams of gold in that ring. Look at the diamonds. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. Don't y'all get mad. This thing had an $8,000 price tag on it. I happened to look at the price tag when he wasn't looking. And it's insured. But people get mad because I have this ring. They see it and they go, he don't, he don't need nothing. He's got plenty. See, that's the way the devil makes you think. No, it was a gift. And I'm going to wear a gift. He didn't give it for me to put in the drawer because somebody might think bad or go, oh, look what he's wearing. Big diamond ring, man. He's got that. He's got this. No, no, no. You don't know where they got that stuff. It's the favor of God. The favor of God. I said to him, I said, Paul, I can't, I can't, I don't think I can afford this. He said, who asked you to pay for it? Gave it to me. I go back in there a few weeks later and puts this watch on my arm. He said, let me see your watch. I had, I had a Seiko. Ain't nothing wrong with no Seiko. Sucker, our guy's been running 20 years. I don't go out and just buy stuff just to be buying stuff. He said, let me see your watch. Took it off. He said, I think this one fits you better. Slid it on my arm. I said, I can't wear that. No, 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 because that's a Cadillac. No, that's a Mercedes, he said. <laughs> I said, I can't wear that. I said, people will talk about me. He said, preacher, pastor, listen to me. God told me to give you that, and you're going to wear it. So I put it on and I wear it. I don't care what people say. I don't, because it was a gift. And when I got in my car, God said, that's favorite. You asked me to bless you? You started giving more? That's favor. Bible, and God said, 
when I put in the word that I would cause people to give unto you. That's exactly what I meant. And I've caused this to happen in your life because you have been faithful to give more than your tithe and you keep giving. And Gary, as long as you keep giving, I will keep showing favor. But Christians get mad. And I don't understand it, Pastor. Why they get mad? Let me bring this airplane in for a landing. It's just simply this. My wife and I, we give, and I thought 38% was pretty good, until I was sharing with a pastor of mine over lunch, a friend of mine. He's in Arkansas. And he said, I went, I've been where you are. He said, I, I, I can relate to everything you're telling me. He said, last year, he said, Pam and I gave 79% of what we made back to God. And he said, we're debt free today. We don't know if they did anybody. I said, how did you do that? So he told me. Well, he said, I was giving the, I was having to pay a house note. And God paid the house off, so I give the note to God. The same as I was. He said, now here, here's the thinking of most people. Oh, I'm putting that up. I'm saving that. He said, we got a savings. But he said, I'm just going to tell you. Everything's debt free and we got money in the bank. My vehicles are all paid for. My land, everything. And he said, I own, own two farms. They're all paid for. Similar to God, boy. Some people think it just happens to the Baptist pastors. No. No, it happens to the AG boys too. To some of them, they give. So I said, okay. So the Lord spoke to me and said, now I got two stories to tell you. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you one more. It's 1134, whatever that is. You, you probably letting them out by now, huh? No. Oh, okay. I just thought, Lord, if I'm keeping them. Well, I'm thinking. I thought if I let them out, if I don't let them out. If Pastor, if pastor lets me come back, they'll go. I remember that guy. He preached forever. My wife told me one time, she said, some of your messages are eternal. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. I said, Lord, I said, I want more favor. I'm giving. We're increasing our giving. The Lord said, I'm going to give you a new car. I said, a new, new car, Lord, or a new used car? I mean, I just want to know. told y'all I talked to God like I talked to you. Lord said, no, a new car. And, I, and he said, by December 31. It was January. So I told my wife. I said, God spoke to me and he's going to give me a new car. Not you. <laughs> you. You got a car. God's going to give me a new car. And she said, yeah, okay. Said, you don't believe that? She said, I guess so. Well, I could tell there wasn't much faith there. So I just said, get behind me. Now, I didn't call her Satan. I just said, get thee behind me. 
no better than to call her Satan. <laughs> she said, okay. Well, the whole year goes by. December 31 comes and I ain't got no new car. So she reminds me of that. She said, I thought you said, Lord's going to give you a new car. I said, he is, Miss Doubtful, Miss O'Ye of Little Faith. She said, well, today's December 31. I said, well, praise God. And so the phone rings at 1 o'clock right after lunch, which I didn't have. The guy on the other end of the line, don't you love caller ID? I hate it. Because I like to pull pranks on preachers. And it's hard. You know, it's hard to do that with caller ID. You know. Tell you real quick, I called one pastor. He wouldn't return my calls, Pastor Phil. And he told me to call him. He wouldn't return. So I called him one day and I disguised my voice. And I told his wife my name was was Bob Johnson, and I worked for Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> Buddy, that sucker picked that phone up. Hello? I said, is this Pastor so-and-so? Yeah. I said, this is Gary Sapp, you dog. <laughs> I said, you wouldn't return my calls, but I said, you thought IRS, you, you jerked that phone up, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're still great buddies today, and, and I've preached for him a few times. So here's the deal. The guy calls me. I looked at it. He said, hey, buddy. He said, you and your wife have been so good to us and our family. I want to buy you a new car. I said, whoa, great. He said, whatever you want. Now, my mind said Mercedes. <laughs> hey, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not totally holy. You know, I'm not all sanctified. Mine comes every day. You know, and I said, okay. You know, I mean, I really thought, Mercedes, wow, he's going to buy it. And I, I, and I thought, no, no, I can't say that. He said, I want to buy you a Lexus. Oh, that's pretty close. I said, okay. Go down to the dealership. I pick out the one I want. Had six miles on it. He paid for it and I drove it home. And when I got on the interstate, God said, favor. Favor. See, I don't pull into a Walmart store. And I mean, y'all have them up here? I think they're kind of like Santa Claus. They're everywhere. I pull into a Walmart store. I said, God, I need a parking space. Close by the door. Now, I may go around a couple of times, but I promise you every time one loads up, my wife says, I don't understand this. How in the world do you get these parts? I said, because I asked God for a favor. Amen. Hello? Amen. You got to ask God for a favor. And when you ask him, I'll guarantee you if you've been the giver he wants you to do and you've been doing what you're supposed to do, you live and give by that book. Notice what I said, live and give by that book because the tithe belongs to him. So if we're not tithing and it belongs to him, we're keeping something that don't belong to us. And in today's terminology, we're called thieves. If the tithe is his, give it to him. 
But then when I give above my tithe, that's when those blessings, that's when that favor increases. And as I give more, it increases. As I increase, favor increases. And I get those parking spaces. I do it at the dollar store. I do it everywhere. Everywhere. And so, the whole thing, I said, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you. So I got a brand new car. I didn't even pay for it. Last story. 2011, we started praying. Because I thought if it works for Pastor Bobby, it'll work for me. We started praying, God, pay our house off. We had built this house nine years ago. We sold our home where we were living in Alexandria, Louisiana. We moved to West Monroe to get close to the grandkids. You notice I didn't say we got close to the kids. We got close to the grandkids. And we love it. They live right down the street. So we built this home. We put all the money from the sale of our house into that house. So, the, so what was left over, we financed, and the note was $640 a month for 30 years. And the reason I went 30 is because I got a lower rate of interest. I'm all about that. So Lord, won't you pay our house off? And if you will pay our house off, we will give you the $640 a month extra to missions. We'll put it where you tell us to put it. Because see, missions, as Pastor said earlier, is not always overseas. There's a lot of people at home need help too. Just like them 50 families you guys helped. See, that's missions. That's missions. When you go up and help somebody, that's missions. I was in a restaurant eating. Got through eating and start, got ready and walked out. Got to the door. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go back and give her 20 more dollars. I'd already left her a 22% tip. Because that's the way I am. I, I tip 20 to 22%. You know what? There ain't nothing bothers me worse than for, for Christians. Christians that stiff waiters and waitresses. Those people make in Louisiana, and I don't know what they make here, but they make two thirteen an hour in Louisiana, and they live on their tips. And people will stiff them. I had a little waitress that waited on me every time I went to a certain restaurant, and she said to me, Reverend, she said the worst people I wait on are Christians. She said, and I want to tell you, she said they don't tip. And if they tip, it ain't very proper. She said, you are so different. I said, you know why? Because I consider you serving me a blessing. And if I don't bless you, how can I expect God to bless me? Just another little lesson out of the book of Gary. <laughs> Chapter 4, page 3. So anyway, Lord, if you'll do that, we'll give that 640 to you. 2013, two years go by. 2013, January, we get a phone call. Guy on the other end says, hey, buddy, how much you owe in your house? Or said, no, said, I want, God told me to pay your house off. That's the way he started. God told me to pay your house off. I said, awesome. He said, how much you owe? 
You know why I knew it was God? Because he didn't ask me how much he owed first. He said, God told me to pay your house off. It didn't matter if it had been half a million dollars. God told a man to pay my house off. I said, I owe $108,000. He said, okay. He said, I'm sending you a check. I said, no, no, no. Hold on. Wait a minute. Don't send me the check. Let me call my CPA because if I touch that money, I put it in the bank. IRS is going to find out. I got to pay taxes on it. I said, let me just see if there's a way to do this. So I called my CPA, who's a spirit-filled woman. I said, Bonnie, what can I do? She said, tell him to write the check to Chase Bank. Put your loan number on it and attach a note to it that he's paying off loan such and such and such. Don't you touch it. You'll never have to worry with it. I called him back. He mailed a check. Three weeks later, I get a letter in the mail. Debt was clear. Paid off. I went down to the courthouse. I went down to the courthouse, picked up my deed. I know people get mad. They do. But I just wish God would pay my house off. But why don't you start praying that? And why don't you start giving toward that? Hello? When I worked a secular job, I paid, I gave according to what I wanted to make, not what I was making. Hello? I worked for Bell Telephone for years. I gave to the Lord what I wanted to make, not what I was making. So when Ray's time come, I got it. It always happened. God will be nobody's debtor. Nobody's. And he loves all of you just as much as he loves me. He'll pay your house off. He'll give you new cars when you give to him, not to an individual. I heard a man say this. Well, let me correct myself. My wife was in the service where he, the guy said this. And it bugged the daylights out of me. He said, if you give to my ministry, you'll get a new car. He said, if you give to my ministry, you'll be healed. If you give to my ministry, you'll get a new house. He walked out of that church that morning with $28,573 because I asked the bookkeeper. I go to church there. That bugs me. If you give to my ministry, you ain't going to get squat. <laughs> Sorry. If you give it to the Lord, you're going to get blessed. Now, you, you may give to me for something, but giving to me ain't going to get you nothing. It'll get you a blessing from God, but it won't get nothing from me. I can't give you nothing. I can't heal you. I can't bless you. I can't give you a new house. I can't give you a new car. But when you give to the Lord in missions and in the offerings and things that are taken at the church, you're giving it to the Lord. What the church does with it is not your problem. Once you give it, it is their responsibility. And if the church and the board don't do what it's supposed to do, they're going to answer to God. When we give it, we release it. We're through with it. And God's going to bless us over it and for it. But oh, it bothers me, that guy. And he goes all over the nation telling people that. And they feel like if they give it to him personally, they're going to get these things. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So here's the thing. Our house is paid for. Two cars paid for. Hello, one of them I paid notes on. 
The other one was given to me. Ring gave to me. Watch given to me. This coat was given to me. I'm in a coat store. The guy says to me, a buddy of mine with me. He said, I'm going to buy you a coat. He said, what size you wear? I said, 44 regular. He said, find you one on that rack. So I did. He paid for it. Favor. I said, it's favor. Favor. I'm going to tell you one last story. I said two, but let me tell you one, because it's just quarter two. <laughs> let me tell you this story. When you start giving and the favor starts flowing, everything in your home will last longer. The car tires will last longer. The roof will last longer. Washer and dryer in our house is 17 years old. Why would I go buy a new one? That's dumb. Just because they got one now on the front and you can watch the clothes turn. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something real funny. The Lord blessed us, and last year we gave both our daughters for Christmas, the family. I asked them, you know, they both needed new washers and dryers, so we bought them new washers and dryers. Let them go pick out what they wanted, and that was our Christmas gift to the family. Not the grandkids, just her and her husband. We give the grandkids something else. They got the washer and dryer. When they got it home the first night, both of them have four in the family. They all four gathered in the laundry room and watched it run through its cycles. <laughs> Watched it level and do what it's supposed to do. Because it's one of those type washers. I let them pick out what they wanted. But why should I go buy a new one when mine's running good? We have a freezer in our house that in 1977, I paid $120 for it used. I bought it from a preacher. He was trying to get out of town. <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. He was moving. He was taking another church. But he was trying to get out of town. They couldn't get it on the truck. So he called me and said, Sap, I got a freezer. 1977, I was pastoring my first church. He said, hey, I got a freezer over here. You can have it. It cost me $120. And he said, it's only a few months old. And I said, I'll be over in a minute. And I took the truck, went over and got it. It's still in my laundry room. Freezes every day. Just as good as it did when I bought it. Now, you have to defrost that little sucker because it, it wasn't no no frost back in 77. It ices up. You got to defrost it. My wife tells me, that's your freezer. You need to defrost it. So I'm not just a cook, Jack. I'm the defroster too. So anyway, you got to defrost it, but it still freezes. I was in, I was in uh, Thibodeau and a guy come up to me. I don't know why everything happens to me in Thibodeau, but I was in Thibodeau and a guy come up to me and said, I got I to talk to you, brother. I got to talk to you. I was at because I told this story. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, uh, uh, you quit bragging on that freezer because the devil's going to tear it up. <laughs> I said, I don't receive that. I said, let me tell you something, Bubba. The devil can't do nothing to me that God don't allow. And if God lets the devil tear that thing up, I got news for you. He'll give me the money to go buy a brand new one or he'll call somebody to just bring me a brand new one. Whatever, it don't matter. I ain't gonna quit bragging on that freezer. And the goodness of God. I'm just like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, devil. Just make my day.
how lucky do you feel, punk? That's the way I feel. That thing still freezes. When you start giving to God, things happen. You get blessed. You get favor. Things last longer. I'm just telling you, I bet you in here, if I took a poll this morning, there's many of you in here because I saw you nodding your head about the freezer lasting longer, the washer and dryer, the roof lasting longer, the car tires last longer. Can I tell you, it's called favor, 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 favor. Increasing favor when we increase our giving. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor and his family. Thank you, Lord, that you brought them to Lakeside. Lord, thank you today for this church's giving to not just foreign missions, but home missions and individual missions, helping the community. Thank you for the people that sacrifice and give what they can give. But today, Lord, we have to increase our giving. Because there's more needs out there, God. And you've blessed us so much. Your favor has been extended so much. And I ask you today, Lord, to move on their hearts, move on their minds, to increase their giving into the missions program of this church. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for letting me be here today. God bless you. Pastor wanted me to share a little bit about one child. Let me tell you this. Again, I, I told you we feed, clothe, educate, medically take care of 40,000 kids every day, 16 countries of the world. Our ministry was started by Mark and Hulda Montaigne in 1954. We're 60 years old. They started Mission of Mercy. Now it's called One Child Matters. We changed our name a couple of years ago. And Dee and I travel. We do child sponsorships. You can go online if you'd like to sponsor a child. Just go to www.onechildmatters.org. www.onechildmatters.org. You can sponsor a kid, take care of a child every day in one of those countries. You can see their picture online. You can pick out the one you'd like to pick out. The only thing about it is when you get there online, when you get to that spot, it'll say, how did you hear about One Child Matters? Just type my name in, and it'll let you go on a little further, and you can pick out a child if you'd like to. So if you'd like to bless One Child Matters with sponsoring a child, just go on, online and you can do that. God bless you today for everything you do for missions. God bless you for giving your money through this church because that's where you should give it in your name. Amen? Give it through the church. God bless you. Were you blessed this morning? Were you blessed this morning? Show your appreciation. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.